Welcome to Ami Sites, a podcast that offers you access to thought leaders who can help you expand your entrepreneurial toolbox. Learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have already walked in your shoes and can help you with your day-to-day business decisions. Join the founder and CEO of Multifunding, Ami Kassar, and his co-host, Lynn Ozer, the president of Multifunding, aka the SBA Queen, as they help you navigate, grow, and stay in control of your business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ami Sites. I am your host today, Lynn Ozer, president of Multifunding, and Unfortunately, Ami is traveling as usual, and therefore I get the privilege of interviewing our guest all by myself, which I really do like, actually. Anyway, today, our guest is Jim Jacobs, owner of Focus Insight, a national market research company, and that's only the tip of the iceberg. That's the (laughs) company that he owns. That's not everything about him. I was amazed at reading your bio. And I think everyone on our podcast will be interested in hearing all about your background, how you got to where you were, and also about all the other things that you do besides running a company, which is pretty impressive. (laughs) So let's start. How are you today, Jim? I am just excellent. How are you? I'm great. So let's start at the beginning. I know you went to Malvern Prep and then you went to (laughs) St. Joe's University, a Philly born and bred individual like myself, but I went to Temple. You could have chosen anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I could have. Malvern Prep and St. Joe's is a wonderful pedigree when you're a Philadelphian. So do tell us when you went to St. Joe's, what were you majoring in and what did you think you were heading out to do? (laughs) That's a great question. Well, first of all, it's it's, uh, a privilege to be here. So thank you, Lynn. And my man, Ami, traveling as he always is, but that's okay. Absolutely fantastic. You know, so what did I major in at St. Joe's? It's funny you said that. So I just, I majored in marketing, not knowing if I was going into marketing or I I just basically wanted general business, to be honest with you. Uh, Mm -hmm. I grew up, my dad was a Philly cop. So you know, we didn't really have any business people in the family. Most of the people worked for the government and my grandparents were immigrants to this country. So it was very much, a, you know, the South Philly work ethic and whatnot. So I just knew I wanted to do something in business and business related. And St. Joe's was great university and it was, it was close by and that, uh, you know, and I was, and I could still work at TGI Fridays while putting myself through. So that, uh, I was trying to, I read that in your bio and I thought, boy, I hung out there a lot, but I'm, I'm too old for you. So, (laughs) you know, I thought, well, where's he my waiter? But no, 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 no. You are still at Malvern Prep. (laughs) Uh, Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, so, so there you were majoring in business and marketing. And what did you do when you first got out of college? It's funny you mentioned that, you know, when I first came out of college, it's very similar to how it is now. You know, I think that a good recession comes every seven to 10 years, it seems like. And we're Whether right, we need it or not. <laughs> we need it or not. And we're right in the thick of it. And it was kind of amazing because when I graduated, that was, you know, people's parents were getting laid off. They weren't really hiring new, new college grads, which was absolutely crazy. So I actually worked at TGI Fridays and I used to wait on all the TV people that used oh, to yeah. from channel from, from channel six and channel 10 that would come in on Wednesday night. It's funny because I listened to Charles Barkley on spitting chiclets about him eating there 
when he thought he was getting traded to the Lakers and I was his waiter. I'm listening to this, this this podcast 30 years later and I was like, I was his waiter that day. I remember that day. So it was kind of wild. And through that, I ended up interning my senior year with Channel 6 ABC across the street. Um, right. All because I waited on the sportscasters and it was right place, right time. I, I asked, which is one of my talks I give, the power of ask, but I asked, hey, do you, do you need any help with interns? And they said, we need them right away. And I went in there and I was an intern the next day. And I got a chance to do a lot of things people dreamed of. And I stayed in that industry for probably about five years um, working wow. in sports, sports and television. So it was, it was fantastic. That's great. Who was the sportscaster at the time? Gary Papa, the team with oh, Gary Papa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the late Gary Papa, who was uh, very much a mentor to, to me, uh, Bill Andrews, Jack Brable, oh, and sure. Scott Palmer. So I, I got yes. to know. This is, this is before. All. Right. When everyone used to wait till 6 or 11 to get their news. Now you look on the phone and you can get anything you need right away. So it was a neat time. It was a very neat era. Great. To break stories and things like that. It's so. a great story. So you worked there for five years, and then what did you do? But that's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. So I Especially, in- I might add, which you're going to get to, you do have an extreme passion for sports, especially ice hockey. And I, so I know it must have been a dream come true. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of crazy hours, but it was a lot of fun too. And, you know, I had this list of all these different events and things I wanted to cover. You know, I was there shaking hands with Allen Iverson when he was drafted. I have a picture of Kobe Bryant hugging me after he was drafted because we used to work out together. And he's wearing a Charlotte Hornets hat. And I think it's probably the only 10 minutes of his life he's ever worn a Charlotte Hornets hat, right? So, Because uh, he, was, he was traded that day to the Los Angeles Lakers. So, um, oh, And you were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great video of that. And it was really neat meeting these people or, you know, meeting the athletes and whatnot. But, you know, after doing that for a number of years, I kind of got bored of it. I, I I did all the things on my checklist I really wanted to do. The only exception was watch the Flyers win a Stanley Cup. But, you know, so we're still waiting for that. But uh, I really got a chance see, to... see, now I know you're way younger than me because I remember <laughs> when they did. <laughs> so it was, it was really a neat experience and it really taught me to, you know, Gary Papa gave me a very good lesson he said when he he sent me down as an intern he said uh the nba was in town okay go you know make sure i want you to interview patrick ewing i went and i'm like oh my god patrick ewing is seven foot tall he was enormous center for you can make sure you get sound from him make sure you get if you don't get the sound don't come back and i'm an intern i am like holy moly i think i was 20 or maybe 21 years old i think i was 20 years old and I was like, holy, holy, Leo, this is my, this is my shot. I'm in here. I have this internship. I, you know, last week I'm waiting tables. This week I'm going to go interview <laughs> Patrick Ewing. You know, all because I asked a question, if you, you know, do you need help? So it was really neat. And I went and got the interview with Patrick. And, you know, I wasn't afraid to ask hard questions or ask you because I knew like I wasn't, well, you know, I wasn't allowed back unless I got what they needed so that that like you just alone, said asking hard questions and you do a podcast on it that doesn't come easily to a lot of people no being no, able no, no. to do that so any advice on how to uh do that ask hard questions as a young oh, yeah. kid go up to patrick ewing and and get sound <laughs> that's it's funny you say that you know I, everyone every expert was once a beginner and in, in anything so people come to me and they say 
oh, wow, you're such a natural, natural born speaker. And I, I, I laughed because I was so frightened to publicly speak. Now I can do it. It's really not a problem. But it's just repetition of the mother skill, right? So the more you ask, the more you cold call. It was always like when I, when I got into sales, I was, oh, and this is kind of inside, but when I got into sales, I just thought, hey, you know, people like you and they buy from you. But I learned there's a, a process to it. You know, for every hundred calls you make, you may get 10 appointments. For 10 appointments, you may get five proposals. For five proposals, you may get one sale. So it, like, I just always knew. It was like, okay, great. And we, we would have like little, a little check mark. So, okay, see that? You just made $100. You just made $100. I'm like, how do I make $100? Well, by the time you get down to here, you'll make 5000 And sure enough, when I got there, it's pretty much it's pretty right. I would pretty much make five thousand dollars by the time I got through my two hundred calls, a cold call, right? So I was like, okay, that was so that stuck with me till today. So you know, to me, it's you know, asking hard questions. It's such a great time because when we grew up, we never had internet. We never had. I mean, the, the world's information is at your fingers, you know, and anything you can look up, and within eight hours. You'll spend one Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon and sit there and YouTube and Google ChatGPT for eight hours, and you have more expertise than 99% of the population out there. So to me, especially now, it's really a matter of smart hustling to get where you want to get to because because people are just entitled and, and they're, they're not as hungry, I think, as, uh, as used to be. Interesting. So let's hop back to where we were and you were ready to do something different. And then what was the next step to working towards becoming an entrepreneur? You know, I've always been the guy who has been an entrepreneur in some way, shape or form, meaning, you know, I was always the kid who you know went out there and shoveled snow. I was the kid who had the paper route, you know, I, so I would always have some sort of job or some sort of side hustle. Um, and it was really great. It was really invaluable. You know, even, even working at the restaurant, I loved working at the restaurant because, okay, I can be the shift leader and get tables 10, 11 and 20 and 21. And then I'll leave, I'll cut the staff early and then I'll take, pick up the extra tables. And then I'll, I'll pick I'll volunteer for this extra and I'll get even more tables and I would make more money at the end of the day, you know? So it was, it was kind of neat. Cause I'm, kind of paying the bills in college and I always had money and you know back then money was like green paper right because you're 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 getting everything in tips and right so you always had green paper in the shoebox of green paper money I mean look if I gave you $100 of cash and you had and I gave you a debit card of $100 for I, I guarantee you that debit card will be cleared out much quicker than you would the actual cash you just you just spend less with cash and 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 those were neat Watching days. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here. But, <laughs> but, but, but getting back to where when you decided, you know, you've always been an entrepreneur. And after when oh, did yes. you actually, you know, own your own business to begin with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I worked in, you know, I, I wanted to get some sales experience. I worked in sales. And then I, you know, I worked at MCI WorldCom for a few years. And, and, mm-hmm. and the that company went under in a huge accounting scandal. And, you know, and I I sat there and I worked on this big pipeline of stuff and it all went away like that, not due to me. I mean, it was front page of the wall street journal about the accounting scandal. So, so that was the end of that. And I watched a guy who was encouraged to put all his retirement savings 
into the company stock, which was now worthless. And, you know, I, I was reading a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad at the time, and I became a voracious reader of, of books. And, and that was uh, one of my favorite ones. So I, I had bought and owned a couple pieces of real estate at that time. So I decided to go into real estate full-time, um, buying and renting properties and then brokering properties, brokering commercial deals. So, you know, at the height, I think I owned about 14 different properties. So at the same time, which was, you know, for someone in their late twenties, early thirties, it was, it was a lot. I, there was always something going on, but you know, you talk about when you own one property, it's like, okay, sometimes stuff goes wrong. If you own 14 properties, everything's always going wrong. There's always something, there's always this, so, which was great because it was easier to own 14 than it was one. And meaning, you know, when you scaled, you had systems and processes in place to allow you to scale even further. You know, so I really learned a lot from TGI Fridays and how they had systems and processes. Like, for example, I still to this day, seven minute appetizer, 10 minute for an entree. I still remember that to this day. I still, when I prepare food in my house, I, you know, I hurt my shoulder playing hockey. I worked as an expediter, which meant I would put all the stuff on the food to make the plate look really appetizing, like commercial. And I had yeah. to take coursework. I had to take coursework for that. I had to take, they had to put in VHS cassettes and I would have to take tests. So now yeah. everything in my business as an entrepreneur moving forward, I remember all that because that's the whole point of a business, right? Scalable, repeatable, and something where you don't have to be involved every single day in every decision because then the business owns you. So that's a um, good point. Right. And the goal, I know if Ami was here, he's, his goal is always trying to get himself fired <laughs> from right. being a CEO. And I've heard him say that to others. So that yeah. speaks directly to the point you're making. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Right. Get yourself fired because there's better people who can, or people can operate it better than you can. So. so you're owning 14 properties and you were working alone or you had employees at that time. No, it was just me. I would maybe get some part-time help every now and then. Um, it never seemed to work out because they were part-time and, and you know, it, there wasn't recurring revenue. It was, I'd work for a big commission in commercial real estate that, you know, maybe I get a big commission for, you know, and then three, I have to make that last for three, four months while I'm waiting for the next check that was never to be delayed. And ultimately I was busy suing people for funds that I was supposed to receive and never did. And I learned all about the legal system. And, and it's kind of wild because these people hide behind LLCs and hide behind these different entities. And I'm trying to chase them for, for money I'm owed. And a lot of those skills really helped me develop this business, the market research business. So it's kind of crazy how the whole thing happened. But you know, our business is we're able to find you respondents for different projects, different focus groups, because Consumer Insights is such a huge huge business. I mean, think about it. any company, any company wants to know why their customers are buying, what their hot buttons are and, and what makes a consumer tick or what makes their service special. And that's what we do now. And, you know, it's really, okay, what's that, what's the pain point here and how do we uncover it? And how do we find the people to do it? And a lot of those skills in the early days was figuring out how to look, find people. And even if something is, you know, I sat there one weekend, I saw Facebook I wanted to learn this opportunity. I got on all weekend, sat in the house and learned Facebook ads. Did everything I could about Facebook ads for 48 hours. And, you know, weeks later, we are finding these super niche respondents that no other company that's been established for 30, 40 years in the business could find. And I'm finding them 
with a, a few mouse clicks, you know. And this was back in the day before Facebook, you know, changed the algorithm, and, and you could really target just about anyone at the most micro level. Right. So, you know, it taught me a lot too. Is you know, find a trend and try to be at the beginning of it, and try to learn everything you can about it, become an expert in it. So. so what was the impetus exactly to make you flip or was it more gradual than I'm imagining when you went from the real estate into the market research or was there a step in the middle? You know, it, it was pretty quick, actually, because what happened was I have been doing this business and I fallen out of love with the real estate business because putting together a deal, put you know, I mean, I want you to invite two people over for dinner or, or invite four people over. I want you to host a dinner party. I want you to spend all day cooking a great meal, have them cook the meal. And then all of a sudden you want the leftovers and they take the leftovers home with them. Right. And they don't even say thank you. Right. Cause that's the way it felt with me. I will put together this huge transaction and they go behind or they have lunch on their own. And he always figured out, well, there's a lot of money involved here so we can get the broker out of the deal. And it's a, a common problem in the industry. And, and quite frankly, I just got sick of it. You know, I mean, I was sitting there, I got shafted on the commission and I'm picking up my kid at the, the daycare that I'm paying for. And I'm looking at this building and one of the developers was part of this building that I knew who, who was not paying me my fee, right? Who I have to sue for his fee. And I'm like, well, this is, this is utter insanity to me. So I, I said, I have to get on the other side of this. So what happened was I had, I had been coaching a hockey practice. This is how, God honest truth. I got in the business. I was coaching a hockey practice. A kid trips me. I break my arm. I can't leave my house. I, I have my company, Jacobs Realty Group. And I, in my arm, I had to get surgery and get a, a rod put in my arm because my elbow had broken off from my, from my bone. <laughs> so while I'm, so while, while I'm laid up, I got a phone call to be a member of a focus group on Facebook, like an online study on Facebook about my Facebook habits. So I logged what I did for a week online. And then I think I made like 150 bucks or $200. And I was like, there can be a real business behind this. So I, I read everything I could about it, started a, a side hustle because I literally with a $20 bill, because I literally was bedridden. I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to drive. I wasn't allowed to this. So I was working my real estate deals on the phone. And then I was working this business on the phone. So long story short, the people are getting respondents for, they're called for these studies. They kept ordering more and more and passing my name around and wanting to get more and more people. And so I had this pretty big project. It was a large building that we sold that was a daycare. And I had gotten stiffed on the, on the fee, which was substantial. So I had been fighting this and had to hire the attorney and this and that for about you know, and, and, and then he's dragged it out and it was about two years. Okay. So not only did we not get the fee at settlement when we're supposed to, but now we have to chase the guy for two years with you know, different letters and this and that. And so I did this big project on a medical study on a $3 million piece of equipment, a condition called macular degeneration, which I had never yeah. heard of. I, I had a friend who was an ophthalmologist who I played hockey with. And I said, Hey, let's make a deal. You know, I'll give you a referral fee for anyone who meets this criteria. He said, I just graduated medical school with a bunch of these people. And I, I know a bunch of these people here. So he gave me a list and we were the only company that could fill the study. And not only could we fill it, but we were able to get two rounds of it. So about two weeks later from the NNS study, I got two checks. The one check was for about 4,000, which was supposed to be about 25,000 for my commission. But after the 
attorneys chiseled and this and the settlement, whatever it came out to be for. And then I got this other check in the mailbox and that was for close to 10,000 from the study I did that no one else could do. And I looked at these things and I said, why the heck am I in this business? I should scale this business. And at the time it was only me. So that's, that's what, what you I, did. That's what I did. That's what I did. So that's, that's such an interesting story. And the way that you did it all on your own and started it out. So what year are we talking about now? That was about 2016, 17. Okay. All right. Yep. So you got started in your market research before the great pandemic. And <laughs> how did you scale it up? Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned about the pandemic. And, you know, I got to know people in the industry who helped me out, you know, with, okay, how do I scale it? And EO has been huge for that. There's people within our, my industry who are members of EO who I could call up and always a very welcoming environment and give me great experience shares and whatnot. Is so that what when happened, you got into EO was in that business or when you were in the real estate business? In the real estate business. So oh. I've actually been... I've been a member of EO with two totally different businesses that I've started from zero. So completely different businesses, which is pretty neat. So at any rate, so we were discussing how I, how I got to scale the pandemic. So, you know, originally it was, it's kind of funny. It's embarrassing to mention, but you know, we, I have about four different emails for different people and I, steal some headshots from the, from the web when it was just me. And, and I, you know, you, you talk to Sally or you, you talk to Fred in accounting or you talk, right. So it, it all came to me and I would just answer from a different email, right. There were five hours, there were five, five dollar a month emails. And, but that's how you, you, had to be, you had to be scrappy to start it. Right. So we did that. And then I, I started utilizing some people from Upwork, you know, and just kind of like assistant to help. Because this this whole thing bootstrapped, right? Everything had to make sense. There's, you know, but like social media is a gift from the gods, right? From the entrepreneurial gods. It's free. Or you gotta, that, so, yeah. so, you know, I worked on things like that. And then we were able to afford, you know, start affording people. And I used the website, listen to a podcast. I heard something called Hire My Mom. We're just, hey, yeah, women with very good job skills, but they need to be home and work from home. So I said, okay, well, how can we? make part of this job work from home. So we did. And then it was kind of wild because COVID hit and we were only recruiting. We're a Philadelphia market research recruiter. So there was, we had like three clients in Philadelphia that we were recruiting to their facilities. And it was like, oh boy. So now COVID shuts everything down. No one's coming in person. What do we do? So at that time I said, well, we're going to be locked down for a while. I have a feeling. And I'm just going to work from the minute I get up till the minute I go to bed because there's nothing else to do anyway. So I might as well put everything into the business. So that was when the business really exploded because we changed and we pivoted from instead of being a local recruiter, we became a nationwide recruiter. And I remembered about selling advertising and whatnot. So I had spoken with EO about people and Google AdWords. And they said, hey, what's good now is the Google AdWords are based on supply and demand are cheap because everyone's cutting the spend, right? Because COVID hit. And I said, oh, there's an opportunity there. So there was all these different types of high profile advertisements I couldn't afford, but I wanted to get various trade magazines and whatnot. So 
I was on the offensive calling everybody trying to get prime placement with these ads and everyone was cutting off their ad budget because of COVID. And I said, Hey, well, you know, we're doing online, we're doing this, we'll help you make money. And it was a really rough couple weeks. And then all of a sudden everyone, okay, we'll do a zoom interview. We'll do this. And that's when we really were in prime position to explode. And we were hiring during COVID. We're expanding pretty rapidly. So. And so is that the basis now? Like you, now recruit all over the United States. Your business is we national do. and mm-hmm. everybody works from home because that's the way your business model works. Well, you know, we, we do have some people who will meet with uh, locally in Westchester, but for the most part, everyone, correct. I mean, 95% of our um, time is working, you know, is working remotely. So that, that was adopting COVID. We grew during COVID. So we have people in multiple states you know, and multiple time zones. So it's, 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 you know, it's really been good. And so instead of being a detriment, it turned out to be a blessing for you guys to get underway. Well, we made it a blessing. Okay. So, so we made it a blessing, you know, so you know, there's a lot of, you know, great people out there. Um, and there's a lot of great people in, in, in remote areas that maybe, you know, it, it, it does take 20 minutes to get to an office. It does take 30 minutes to, to, to get to the office. And guess what? You have to pick up, Sally from soccer practice at 4 p.m., but you still want to work. And, you, and it, you know, so, so we offer some of the flexibility to do that. Which so, is, which would. But let me ask you this, because I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the way that you are giving back to entrepreneurs and also passion for sports. Are you still coaching? Still coaching. Still coaching. Still coaching. Actually, right there behind me, that a painting that was taken from a picture of well, we won the Flyers Cup championship for the first time in 16 years in overtime. So Is that I, I, when you won as a coach or as a player? That's when I won as, as a coach, but I won as a player as well. And I've been coaching that's- for about, God, 25, 30 years now, which is kind of crazy to think about. But um, I've, it's been a passion of mine. And, uh, you know, and I, I'll see you guys and we'll meet out for dinner and drinks who I coached in sixth grade. And, and it boggles my mind, you know, that these guys are, in their mid-20s and, and and whatnot. So it's a pretty neat experience as well. That's terrific. And then as far as working for other entrepreneurs and your work through EO, I read that you were in a town hall with Bernie Sanders. Could you tell everybody about that? That sounded really exciting. And you went head-to-head with him to help small business. Do tell. Uh, do tell. Well, that was wild. I ended up there was through EO, there was something called press pass. So he said, you know, so they asked you what your thoughts were of Donald Trump becoming president of the United States. And would it be good for small business? And they wanted to hear from small business owners. So I remember when I worked the assignment desk uh, at Channel 6 Action News. Mm-hmm. And you know, they never wanted, and when, and when I would, you know, remember I said, get the sound or don't come back. So you might get a 10 minute interview, but what was the most explosive thing that this person said? And put that on. Right, because right. Right? you only have you only have three minutes for sports, and you only may have twenty seconds for basketball. So you have to have a five to ten second clip, whatever. Even though you're sitting there for ten minutes, but that one most explosive clip. So I always remember that, and you know, so I came out so guns a blazing about how you know this is going to be the best thing that happened since Ronald Reagan. Now, small business, right? Reg- you know, re- regulation was going to be was going to be squashed, and you're going to see businesses explode, and I went in depth on this in USA Today. 
and, and the paper was USA Today. You didn't know what the paper was, but it turned out to be USA Today. So next day, I'm featured on the front page of USA Today. And sure enough, I, I never knew this, but I guess CNN and USA Today are linked. So <laughs> all of a sudden, a, a, someone from CNN called me, and they wanted to have me be on the town hall with Paul Ryan. And all of a sudden, I'm talking with the producer who used to be a reporter in Nebraska. And a friend of mine, Peter Thompson, was a sports reporter in Nebraska. So I said, hey, do you know Peter Thompson? She was, oh, my God, I know the name. I said, you work for KBOH. And she said, oh, I said, this is what you do now. You, she, goes, she goes, oh, I was a reporter, but I work from home because my, you know, I, I, I got pregnant and I have a child and I moved back home to California. And I'm booking town hall meetings. And, and she said, and I'm, book, I'm booking Bernie Sanders next. I said, oh, my God, don't get me started on that guy. And she goes, what do you mean? I go, uh, I, I said, this company was founded on capitalism, okay, not socialism. It's never worked anywhere. I said, <laughs> you know, I said, you know, you know, my father was a Vietnam veteran. My grandparents were immigrants to this country. You know, I put myself through college. Now this guy's telling me I could put everyone else's kids through college. This is utterly insane. This guy's never signed a, you know, had a payroll, signed a paycheck. So I went off and she had a few other producers call me. And before you know it, I'm on with not Paul Ryan. I'm on with Bernie Sanders. And I wasn't on the end of the show. And maybe I'd ask a question. It became, I was there in the front row. And they called me that day and are going over the questions for me to ask. And I told them, and they, you know, and as you can tell, I get very animated when I tell certain stories. Story. It's, it's just me. It's just me. So I got up there and I've had this conversation a million times about taxes and this, because, you know, for everything, you know, when you uh, payroll, it's 12 and a half percent payroll tax. And then you're paying this. I mean, the amount of taxes you pay are, are ungodly. And all they want to do is raise taxes. And it's like, well, this is how jobs are created. The more tax we pay, the less people we can hire. And, you know, why don't we, why don't you allow us to hire more people and you're taxing the paychecks anyway, and you'll make taxes that way. But, but you know, trying to explain this to people who've, who've never managed the payroll can be, can be a challenge. So anyhow, I go in there. There's like three floodlights. You can't even see. You can't even see the stage. So we went at it about Barack, about, you know, about raising taxes on small business. Well, raising taxes on small business is always something that people are concerned about. But taking it out of the political arena, advocating for entrepreneurs and small businesses and things that, that, that adversely affect them and that you're obviously clearly passionate about is commendable. And are there other opportunities that you've had to advocate for small business? Well, you know, it's funny you say that. Like I, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm getting involved in is, is helping coach, you know, um, entrepreneurs, you know, in, in terms of advocating. Yeah, I've been asked, you know, I've been on a number of radio shows and whatnot where, you know, when that was hot, where they would ask my opinions on it. And, and you know, a lot of it makes sense. I mean, I, all you need to do is go to your accountant and uh, you can get any accountant on here. And, and I can tell you, it's like, well, you got this tax, you have this tax, you know. And at the same point, you have different tax deductions that you can you can take if you if you do certain things. So you know, this is the greatest this, this is the greatest country in America. Like for example, there is a research and development cre uh, tax credit where you get if you can hire Americans rather than outsourcing stuff overseas, which is I think it's phenomenal. Right. You know, it get, it gets people working. You know, when, when when we would do real estate for real estate developers or whatnot, the number one thing they always looked at. What's the jobs report? What's the jobs report? What's the jobs report? Are people working? 
are people right? Because if people are working, they're spending money at Applebee's and on services and discretionary income. And if they're not right. working, right? So just raising a bunch of taxes, you know, eliminates, you know, slows down growth, eliminates people working, eliminates those people paying tax. And I'll, I'll tell you a neat thing. Okay, I went to when I first joined EO. I joined the board. Okay, for Philly. The, right. So I was a board member of Philadelphia, and we had Global Learning Conference in Panama. So we went to Panama. We met with the president of Panama in a private room. It was Exciting. absolutely wild. It was really neat. So we met with the president of the country, and he had gotten his, you know, his claim to fame was he built a bunch of supermarkets, and he owned a huge supermarket chain in Panama hmm. or South America. And he came to us, and he said, you know what? Any of you guys here who want to open up in Panama, some sort of brand, he goes, I'll let you open, no tax. None of you will pay any business tax. Open here. You have to be a citizen. Come see me. I'll make you a citizen. I was like, whoa. (laughs) And he said, you know why? Because we want you here if you're going to employ people. Because if you employ people, they're going to pay tax. So we need people employed because more employed people pay taxes. When they're not employed, they they don't pay tax. That's simple. So yeah. that that so you know that's always stuck with me. And and yeah, how many so, people do you employ at this point? Well, we at our peak we were about forty. Mm-hmm. So which which was you know starting from zero, bootstrapping. Yeah, that was that, right. that was a lot. So yeah. um, this you know and this year we were we were too heavily weighted. We've we've resized the ship, so we're about half that right now. But yeah. we had to unfortunately have some layoffs at the beginning of the year. But the whole market. The whole industry went into a tizzy because a lot of our clients had massive layoffs and we didn't realize we're affected like Facebook laid off, Amazon laid off. Like a lot of these companies who we've done significant right. business with right. had massive layoffs all year where a lot of budgets were frozen. And so therefore it kind of rolled downhill, unfortunately. Well, before so. we end, I'd like to ask you what would be your one piece of advice to an aspiring entrepreneur who is facing challenges number one start okay start 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 with what you have where you are start okay that's everyone's like i'm waiting for this i'm waiting for that i'm not sure if it's the right time nothing make your business plan okay you know what goes according to plan lynn nothing nothing (laughs) nothing goes according to plan nothing you're going to do half the revenue and your expenses are going to be three times what you project on any spreadsheet, right? It, it just happens. But you got to be in the game and you got to swing the bat. I mean, if you told me I would, have a, I would have a nationwide market research business and do business with Pinterest and uh, Samsung and some of the biggest names in the Fortune 500, I would never have believed, okay? I didn't know this industry and I founded a company in it. Now I do, right? But it was the same thing. It was it was such but that's a that's really actually an incredibly good piece of advice. Write a business plan and start. Because right. if you're if you're waiting for the right moment or or at the time where you think nothing's going to happen, you're never going to start. So that's I, really good advice. My first property I bought, I kid you not, I walked around the corner, I saw a a property for seventy two thousand dollars in manual. I bought the thing. Okay, I figured out how to. I, I didn't. How to get the money? I didn't have the money. I, I I bought it. I went in. I made settlement. My bank account's drained. I'm 24 years old. There was a dryer in the bathroom. 
Okay, so the dryer was taken away, even though it was written in the contract that was supposed to be there, right? They're supposed to leave it, but they just took it. So that, now, now, like, how do I enforce it, right? <laughs> well, like, they just kept it, like, right? They put all this stuff in the contract they're supposed to leave, and then they leave. Well, now how do I get it back? Will you sue? Well, yeah, uh, you know, no, right? It's like, so my foot, so there's a left plank and a right plank. My foot goes through the floor, right? And yeah. I got to tell you, so I sold that property for about $300,000 a few years later, I made every mistake, uh, you know, about, right, about 10 years, I rented it out. But if I wasn't in the game, I wouldn't have figured it out, you know? And like, that's the only way to learn. Is, well, so. that's a great, great way to leave this conversation. Get in the game, be an entrepreneur. And so, Jim, it was just so fun to listen to everything that you had to say. I could listen for hours, but I know there's time, <laughs> time frames here. Um, if someone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. Email me, Jim at Focus Insight, F-O-C-U-S, I-N-S-I-T-E dot com. Email me. Um, I have Rhea, who's my assistant. She'll check my email. And would love to speak with you. So absolutely, That's please great. get in touch. Love to speak with any entrepreneur, aspiring entrepreneur, anyone. I was the, I was the guy who knocked on a lot of doors. Okay, so if someone wants you know wants some of my time, please please email me. I'll be happy. To Thank talk you, to you so much. This was so upbeat and so fun. I really love hearing your story. And you're welcome back on our podcast anytime. Thanks, I love Jim. it. I love it, Lynn. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us today on Omnisites. Since 2010, multifunding has helped businesses achieve their biggest growth goals through creative and personalized funding solutions, working with a network of the nation's top lenders. Visit us at multifunding.com where you can meet our advisory team and learn more about how we help entrepreneurs fund their future.